Welcome to the program, The Spirituality of the Catholic Church, as Father Paul Keenan teaches on God and man in the Catechism of the Catholic Church. And now, Father Paul Keenan. Hello, I'm Father Paul Keenan. I'm Assistant Director of the Office of Communications of the Archdiocese of New York. And we conclude now our series on the spirituality of the Catholic Church and the Catechism of the Catholic Church. In the Our Father, and in discussing the Our Father, the Catechism gives a very last section here to the final doxology, for the kingdom and the power and the glory are yours now and forever. And it uh, remarks that uh, in saying those words, which we say in the Eucharist now, in saying those words, the Church takes up again the first three petitions of the Our Father. The glorification of his name, the coming of the kingdom, and the power of his saving will. But now they're said in a different way. They're said in a, well, what it calls an eschatological way. They're said in the liturgy of heaven, in the modality of the liturgy of heaven, which is, they're said as an adoration and a thanksgiving. We um, <laughs> we know, we talked a little bit the last time about the power of the evil one, the power of Satan. So many times we hear now, there is no Satan, there is no evil one, that's a lot of nonsense, it's something the religions have dreamed up, but he really doesn't exist. Well, he does. His power is very evident in our world today, this father of lies. And when the father of lies goes to work for himself, he uh, he attributes to himself kingship, power, and glory. In fact, St. Ignatius Loyola in the Spiritual Exercises says that uh, if we want to look for the signs that the devil is coming into our lives, look for our attachment, our inordinate attachment to riches and power and honor and glory. So, if we are going to oppose, as we have prayed to do, that power of the evil one, if we are going to oppose it, then it is our Heavenly Father that we should turn to, as His servants, as His humble servants, not to earthly kingship. It is for ourselves. It is to this Father who gives us the inner power that is meant for our souls, for our beings that are made in his image and likeness, by communicating his inner life to us, which is the triune life. And when in using the word glory, we speak now not of being glorified all over the world and having our names glorified, but we speak of the glory of God. That, uh, that great simplicity of God. There's a wonderful poem from one of the metaphysical poets who says, To God, all may of thee partake. Nothing can be so mean, which with this tincture for thy sake will not grow bright and clean. A servant with his claws makes drudgery divine. 
who sweeps a room as for thy laws, makes that and the action fine. See, what do I do for the glory of God? What do I have to do? Do I have to do big things? No. I have to do what I am given to do. If what I'm given to do is simply a little corner of the world, if what I'm given to do today is to sweep a floor or do the laundry or uh, or wash diapers or whatever it happens to be, all of that can be done for the glory of God. And, uh, glory, glory in this sense, is that simple love that shines forth in the eyes and hearts of simple people who know, who know that God loves them and who know that the whole being of their lives comes from God. And all they want to do with their lives is give it back in a simple and honest way and in doing that to transform the world and to make the world a better place. And so it's not the glory that Satan offers or the authority or the power or the lordship that Satan offers that really conquers the world. What really conquers the world or will conquer it, does conquer it, is our ability to surrender to God and to let him do his work in us. And then we find a power and an authority and a glory that we never knew before. It's very different. And it's through us that God is allowing his glory, his kingdom, his power to come into the world. So when we pray for that, the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. When we pray those words, we are praying in a way that speaks to what we are working for. And we're saying that the power and the glory and the kingship, Lord, are not mine. I'm pledging to do my work, but I'm not doing it for me. I'm doing it for you. I want to give myself to you in love just as you have given yourself in love to me. You know, I had a phone conversation recently with a, a woman who had a lot of troubles and problems in her life. And she told me she had a grown daughter, and that the daughter would really do anything for her, but she always felt that the daughter was inconvenienced by doing it. She always felt that the daughter was doing it grudgingly. And she said, I really hate that. I feel like a burden on her. She told me all the things she'd done for her daughter in her life, and, and now she says, uh, you know, my daughter will do things for me if I ask, but it always seems and feels like such a burden on her. And uh, God has done so much for us in our lives. I mean, we wouldn't even be here if it weren't for him. And, and look how he's prepared for us from all eternity. My goodness, that's what we've been talking about all this time, isn't it? Let us not do grudgingly for God. Let us not God be let not God be the parent who has to say, you know, I have done so much for him. I have done so much for her. I have done so much for them. And they seem to do for me so grudgingly. 
When we pray, the kingdom and the power and the glory are yours now and forever. We're acknowledging that the glory is not ours. And you know, the funny thing is, the funny thing is, when we seek authority, when we seek power, when we seek glory, it eludes us. We always need more of it. But when we give up the search for it, we turn it over to God and we say, God, it's all yours. Suddenly we have all of that that we ever needed and wanted and even more. Because once we turn ourselves over to God, we turn ourselves over in a way to an abundant atmosphere. No one, no one has more than God has of everything. And when we put ourselves in the atmosphere of God, when we surrender ourselves to the life of God, when we say the kingdom and the power and the glory are yours now and forever, we're putting ourselves in that atmosphere of grace. We're putting ourselves right inside the life of the Trinity. And really isn't that what we've been doing all along in in studying this catechism and in studying the spirituality of the Catholic Church Haven't we been just setting ourselves right inside the heart of God? Making the life of God our life. Putting ourselves right in the middle of God and saying, this is where I want to live. The interesting thing is that we can do this wherever we are. We're listening here in all different parts of the world. We're listening in all different parts of the United States. We're listening all over. And wherever we are, whether it's a well-known capital of the world or some small, unknown town that really only a few people know about, we are working here for the glory of God. You know, this radio station is, is in a very, very remote place. It's way, way far away from uh, from the city and from uh, what you would, you know, really call civilization. And yet here we broadcast to the entire world and share the entire world with the entire world the richness of God, the richness of eternal life. And you know, there's something very appropriate about that, and I don't think that escaped the notice of Mother Angelica when she established a monastery out here and when she established this radio station where it is. Because part of the great tradition of uh, the monasteries has been to go to remote places, to go to faraway small places that nobody knows about, and from there to bring God who is the very center of the universe, right into those places and to draw people to those remote places so that they may find what is really important. Sometimes in this day and age, by the grace of God, that procedure gets reversed. Sometimes those of us who live in the big cities find a great deal of remoteness. I mean, there might be millions, literally millions and millions of people around, but their hearts might be very remote from each other and from God. And so to them, we have to bring this message. The kingdom and the power and the glory are yours as well.
So what we need to do, I think, is we reflect on what we have thought about and talked about and and even prayed about together in these weeks of studying the spirituality of the Catholic Church, we have to think about a number of things. I think we have to think about being grateful, because God has given us a wonderful mission, and he has revealed that mission to us, has not kept his work a secret. He has not said to me, well, I'll tell you what you do, but I'm not going to tell you what everybody else is doing. He's revealed the whole plan to us. We may not even get or need the nosy, gossipy details of everybody's life, but we get the directions, the important directions of everybody else's life and of how ours fit into that. We get to see God. We have gotten to see how this God who gives us that is a wonderful God, an abundant God, a kind, a loving God, who has loved us not only now in this year and this time and this place, but has loved us forever. So that when we go back now and we read the Bible or we read the teachings of the apostles or we read the apostolic tradition of the church or we read the teachings of the church about right and wrong and about faith and morals, we no longer read them as dry doctrine, but we read them as a plan for our life something we can think about, something we can get sustenance from, something we can pray about. And we know, we know now that our lives are not about getting glory for ourselves or honor for ourselves. Our lives are about giving glory to God. We know that this God always carries us in the palm of his hand, in the hollow of his heart. And that he asks us to give him the totality of our hearts. That he does that by giving us the totality of his. And so we're renewing the face of the earth because God is giving us that mission. From wherever we are, whether it's a big place or a small place, whether it seems like an important work in the eyes of the world that millions and millions of people know about, or whether it just seems like a life that nobody knows about, a hidden life, it doesn't matter, because every life is equally important in the sight of God. You know, I first got that insight when I was a kid, because a couple doors down, um, there moved in one year a a family. The father of that family was a big country and western singer on television. And everybody knew his name. And, uh, you know, I remember for a while kind of falling into this thing about, my goodness, isn't this guy terrific? Isn't he important? So many people know his name. Then one day it occurred to me, I remember standing on his front porch and looking and saying, you know, why is this man any more important just because people know his name? Why does what people know make somebody important? And I'm glad I got that insight. I think that insight had to have come from God, had to have been a grace, because it helps me to keep things in perspective. It doesn't matter whether we're called to do great things or whether we're called to do little things. What we're called to do and to be is to live in the image and the likeness of God and to know that God's life, the life of this God in whose image and likeness we are made, is a life of intimate sharing between Father and Son and Holy Spirit. And it's that sharing that has made the universe, created it, and kept it going. 
for all these billions and billions and billions and billions of years. And it's amazing how this uh, this wisdom of God about all of that works out in our lives in so many different ways. I have a friend who works in radio. And for many, many years, he had uh, some very prestigious jobs in radio. And uh, suddenly, he was fired. As it often happens in the radio business, that, that really happens a great deal. just doesn't happen for any special reason, or somebody takes a whim, or there's a change in administration on up higher or something, and people get fired all the time. And my friend was fired. And he went for a while to a, a small radio station in a small market. And reflecting on that later on, when he uh, had left there and, and was uh, back in kind of a, a bigger situation again, he reflected that that was a good experience for him. Because he said, you know, he said, if the day ever comes when I cannot bring to a small radio station in a small market the same level of dedication and professionalism that I bring when I'm on a big station, then I really need to get out of the business. I'm not doing the right thing. And so you see, it doesn't matter what we're sent into, whether we're sent into something small or whether we're sent into something big. Sometimes in our lives we're sent into both. Some days we're, uh, we're doing little insignificant work and some days we're doing great work. And it's all the same. Because what we're about, it's not exactly professionalism as my friend described it. What we're about, what all of us really are about, is the work of God. Letting God's love and God's glory be spread throughout the world, that is what it is really all about. And I hope now that what you will do, I hope you'll do a couple of things that you and I have, have had a chance to visit together. I hope one of the things that you will do is to do what we are invited to do when we say that Lord's Prayer, that Our Father. I hope you will say the word Amen. Because the word Amen means so be it. It means I say yes. We remember that great yes that, that Mary said when the angel Gabriel came to her and asked her if she would become the mother of God. We remember all the yeses that the uh, the prophets said, the Old Testament, what Moses said, when what they really wanted to do was say no, they were scared, and they went ahead anyway and said yes. I hope that, that you will will join me in saying yes to God, to what he is asking of us. That we make the world a better place by letting people know what their destiny is. By letting people know, in whatever way we can, the power of his life and the power of his love. By making, in whatever way we can, both the material and the spiritual goods of the world available to as many people as possible so that we can make them free. We can open up to them the possibility of freedom and the possibility that they will do the same thing themselves saying yes to the gift that we are given of renewing the face of the earth through the power of the Holy Spirit, saying yes to spreading the name of Jesus, saying yes to the teachings of the Catholic Church, 
And letting people know that we say yes to the teachings of the church, not doing it in any obnoxious way or any way that is necessarily designed to turn them off or to make them feel that uh, we're putting them down, but simply to let people know that we say yes to what the teachings of the church are. It's important that we do that. It's important that we say that yes. It's important that we not just end up with a, a bunch of beliefs, but it's important that we know that those beliefs are job descriptions for us, that those beliefs are a pledge to put those beliefs into action that all of the things that we have talked about in the Catechism are important. Without the head, without the beliefs, our lives would just be just wandering around at random, not knowing what to believe. So many people are in our society. Without our worship, we would not have a good sense of how our beliefs play into the everyday fiber of our life, the everyday month of our life, the everyday week of our life, every year of our life, we would never have a sense of that. We would never have a sense of what it means as a people together to give praise and glory to God and to enjoy doing that and to know that even in the painful, difficult moments of our life, we say now and at the hour of our death, God is with us and his people are with us and that we are not alone. Without that, we might have lots of beliefs, but we would have no understanding of how they're put into practice. Without our legs, we wouldn't be able to go anywhere. And so we need that section of the Catechism, which reminds us that our beliefs and our worship need legs to them. They need to have effects in the ways in which we act toward ourselves and toward God and toward other people in the world. That we can't be content to say one thing and do another. That we can't be content to uh, talk to God and not talk to our neighbor. And we can't be content to talk to our neighbor and not talk to God. That we need to, to do both. And that we need to follow what is right and what is wrong. And we need to be humble enough to know that we need teaching. We need the teaching of the scriptures. We need the teaching of the tradition of the church. And we need the teaching of the church today and down through the ages in its magisterium. We need to be humble enough to know that we need to be taught that we don't have all the answers. No matter how much information we have, how many magazines, how many computers, if we're on the Internet, it doesn't make the slightest bit of difference. How much information we have, we still need to be taught. And we need to be taught by God and by His church. And if we can just allow ourselves to remember that, then we'll have legs on our faith and on our worship. Because we'll be taking it everywhere. To whatever corner of the world we go, even even spiritually, when we go to all the corners of the world through our prayer. Did you ever stop to think about that? That when you pray, you go to every corner of the world all at once? When you pray, that you enter into the heart of God, God is everywhere. So at that moment, you are everywhere, influencing every corner of the world. 
that sometimes when you wonder why you got the inspiration you got, uh, that's because somebody in some remote corner of the world maybe was praying for you, not even knowing your name. See the kind of power God gives you, not the power of a king, but the power of the soul. How much more powerful that is. And that's what the fourth part of the catechism tells us. It tells us that our faith not only needs head, not only needs arms outstretched to God, it not only needs legs, but it needs love as well. It needs love that puts all of that in the service of God and the service of the rest of the world and that ties it all together with the great word, Amen. Because that word, Amen, says, Yes, Lord, I will do it. I will allow my faith to be whole. I will allow my faith to have head and arms and legs and heart. I will allow my total self to come into being in you. I will allow you to constantly remake me. I will allow you to be the center and source of my life and to guide me in all of your ways. I will allow you to reveal to me your plan for all creation and to show me what my part is, what my mission is in fulfilling that plan. So you see, when we read this catechism, we are reading more than a book. We are reading a, a plan for our life, a plan for our prayer. You can pray this book from cover to cover. And I hope now that you and I have had a chance to visit together for quite a long time that you will pick up this book, this Catechism of the Catholic Church, and you will find time to read it and to pray it and to make it a part of your life and let it remake you, let it redefine you, let it teach you and show you that your life does have a purpose, that your life does have a mission, that your life does have a point and that that point is to live in God. The glory of God is man fully alive, Irenaeus said, and the life of man is to live in God. God bless you. Thank you for joining us today for the Spirituality of the Catholic Church with Father Paul Keenan. You may write to Father Keenan in care of the Office of Communications, Diocese of New York, 1011 First Avenue, New York, New York, 10022. 